Good morning, everybody, from the Bradley Bayesden WEGL studio here at the Harold Mountain Student Center on the campus of Auburn University on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Alex Houston, and this is Compact Discourse. I know, for those who normally tune in on Mondays, I've been gone the last two weeks. Sorry about it. We had some, I honestly can't remember why I wasn't here two Mondays ago. I feel like we had a break of some kind. I don't know. And then, of course, I was sick last week. No, most of you guys probably don't even know that. But this is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm so excited to be back because Auburn football has something exciting to talk about. Finally, after doing so many Monday shows where I just had to ignore them, forget about them, push them to the side and talk about Auburn volleyball, and we're going to talk about them too. Don't you just worry. All you Auburn volleyball fans out there, we are certainly going to talk about what's going on at Neville Arena under head coach Brent Crouch and that incredible team. If you haven't gotten a chance to see them yet, they play their last home matches the Friday before the Iron Bowl, Black Friday, and then the day of the Iron Bowl. And if you're not going to Tuscaloosa and just sitting around Auburn waiting for the Iron Bowl to begin, or one of you know, watch both, hey man, I'd go to Neville Arena if I could. I, of course, am going to be in Tuscaloosa myself, but... Auburn Volleyball, that'll be their final home meet. Senior day, though there are no seniors on that team, we'll certainly get into that as well. A lot to look forward to on today's episode. We're going to talk about the weather. Oh, man, oh, man, is it cold. The cold front that came in for the A&M game has stayed and is sticking around for at least the week. I'm bundled up as best I can. I got beanies in my backpack, gloves, the works, as I'm sure many of you do on your drive, walk, or whatever to school today. So let's talk about it, though. Auburn football, Cadillac Williams asked the fans to go crazy, and the fans delivered, and the team delivered, and it got its first win since the Missouri game. Man, that feels like a decade ago, doesn't it? It was just back in September. An entire month with losses, the firing of Brian Harson, the promotion of Auburn's favorite son, Carnell Cadillac Williams, and now a victory for the Auburn Tigers. They're four and six. And an exciting four and six. It's almost hard to believe the excitement that everybody saw inside Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday. And that's exactly what I think fans wanted. And I think these last two weeks have been exactly what fans needed because, look, I talked about it on the show before, as have many people around Auburn, outside of Auburn, just looking at the team, talked about it as well. This Auburn football team was not very talented. I think we I think we all we all know that. They clearly are deficient at a lot of positions, offensive line among them, quarterback as well, defensive back. You could certainly make an argument, though they had their best game of the year against AM this past weekend. And I think that much was clear, at least at least to me and at least to a lot of other people. And I think Brian Harson, in my mind, at least with myself, had the benefit of the doubt to under, like, I understood that they had a talent problem, partly related to him not pulling as many players from the transporter as he should have, and partly related to just the way the roster was set up when he got there anyway. But with all that in mind, I think the true straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, was that Arkansas game. Because this is not Arkansas of last year, this is not a good Arkansas football team. And I think we all we all see that right now. I mean, Arkansas is five and five. They're two and four in the SEC. And Auburn did not lose a close game to them. They lost, they lost essentially 41 to 13. Like Auburn had two scores at the very end there. 
or I guess, sorry, 41 to 20, really. But I mean, it was 38 to 13 at one point, and Auburn had two scores in the final five minutes, one with four seconds on the clock to close the gap and make it a much more respectable 41 to 27. But that team got blown out of their own stadium. They did. And I think that really was the point because, look, you're not going to compete with UGA. I don't think anybody really rationally expected that. I don't think anybody that watched this team expected that. Again, though, it was close 14 nothing halftime, and then Georgia just ran them out of the stadium as well. But you weren't going to compete with UGA. You competed with LSU, but a bad, bad loss after being up 17 nothing. And then Ole Miss just runs through what's supposed to be your strength on defense. Arkansas does the same. And I think these last two weeks you've seen an Auburn team that just fights. And I think that was the problem for a lot of people around the fan base and around the program was the fact that it didn't feel like the team was fighting as much as it should have. Yeah, it's not a good football team. I think, we again, most of us probably knew that or most people would admit that. But the team just wasn't fighting. Sorry, I got to take off my jacket. I forget that there's not much air circulation in the studio. Maybe that's something I can convince uh, I can convince us to work on, get a giant fan on the wall. Who knows? But back to it with Auburn, I think the issue was at that point that they weren't fighting. And you almost saw that against Mississippi State. I mean, they were down 24-3 at one point, 24-6 at halftime. But that team scratched and clawed its way back. And against A&M... They stayed, they stayed in it after three and out, after three and out, after punt, after punt. The team didn't give up. They didn't wallow in the fact that the offense was producing nothing in the second half outside of two field goals from Alex McPherson. And I think that that certainly is a testament as much to the energy that Cadillac Williams has brought as much as the fact that the Auburn program and – Interim AD Rich McGlynn, AD John Cohen, President Chris Roberts were justified in their firing of Brian Harson. I don't think many people debate that at this point, but I think these last two weeks prove that without a shadow of a doubt at that point. Now, Auburn is 4-6. and six. They got a big game, a senior day against Western Kentucky, a good Western Kentucky team to get to 5-6. and six. And then the Alabama game, which I don't think they have a chance at winning. So a 5-7 and seven season which is pretty is a pretty good salvage job, all things considered. That after that Arkansas game, I didn't think they were going to win a game, period, down the stretch. Because again, Arkansas is not a good football team, ladies and gentlemen. They are not. Did I believe that Auburn had the talent to compete with A&M West Kentucky? Yeah. But after what I saw against Arkansas, I wasn't convinced. And I don't know if many people were convinced that they could win another football game. And I do apologize if my energy goes down. I'm hosting this show solo. Evidently, nobody wants to get up at 8 a.m. on a Monday. I don't really know what that's about. Mondays are great. No, I'm kidding. Mondays are terrible. But, I mean, hey, I got to be here. It's our chance to talk about football, to talk about sports in general, talk about everything going on across college football, across the NFL. And speaking of college football, why don't we get into that right now, ladies and gentlemen? I'm pulling up the scores right now from over the weekend. Let's do the top 25 from week 11, starting right now.
All right, let's do it. USC in some Friday night Pac-12. Wallops Colorado 55-17. Vanderbilt upsets Kentucky. What has happened to the Wildcats as the Commodores defeated them 24-21? And Notre Dame goes up 35-13 in the first half against Navy and does not score a point again, but they hold on to win. The number 20 Irish defeated the midshipmen 35-32. Ohio State wrecks Indiana 56-14. Tennessee pours it on against Missouri 66-24, trying to get that good-looking win for their college ball playoff resume. And LSU in a dogfight with an Arkansas team on its third-string quarterback, but the GEAUX Tigers defeated the Razorbacks 13-10. Purdue upsets Illinois in the most Brett Bielema game ever. Purdue defeated the Illini 31-24. Clemson in a close one with Louisville, sort of, 31-16 over the Cardinals. And Michigan just shuts down Nebraska 34-3. 3-7 Boston College beats 7-3 NC State 21-20. And Penn State defeats Maryland pretty easily 30-0. Alabama holds on to win in Oxford. The Crimson Tide staged a comeback and beat Ole Miss 30-24. Gus Malzahn has UCF at 8-2. The Black Knights defeated Tulane 38-31. Kansas State runs through this Baylor team 31-30. UGA survives a scare in the first half to dominate Mississippi State 45-19. Washington pulls a huge upset over Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks. The Huskies won 37-34. UNC beats Wake Forest. They're 9-1 after a 36-34 win over the Demon Deacons. TCU is 10-0 after a huge 17-10 win over Texas at DKR. Florida State is 7-3 after a win over Syracuse, 38-3. Utah gets a big 42-7 win over Stanford. And Arizona upsets UCLA at the Rose Bowl, 34-28. And that... Ladies and gentlemen, is your college football scoreboard. Let's talk about it. We got about three minutes to talk about this, and then we'll maybe move on. Who knows? I don't know where the show's going. I'm hosting it by myself. There's no one to direct the conversation. I might start talking about soup after this commercial break. Who knows? But I hope you'll stick around with me as we do it. What a weekend. All the focus was on so many, was on so few games, actually. Alabama Ole Miss got most of the focus that you almost forget about the Oregon-Washington game. What a big upset there. And also, UNC. What has happened? One, to the Demon Deacons. I really had a lot of faith in Wake Forest this year, but they just cannot stop anybody. And as for UNC, I mean, at the beginning of the year, when they let App State score 61 points and they almost lost to Georgia State, and then lost to a bad Notre Dame team. Admittedly, at the start of the year, Notre Dame was not very good. You really thought they were dead in the water. But then you look at the rest of their schedule, and oh me, oh my, the ACC. Virginia Tech, who is a whopping 2-8, and eight, by the way. Miami, who is now 5-5. Five and five. Duke, in a close one, 38-35. Duke's a good football team this year. They're 7-3. and three. Pittsburgh, which is all over the map, six and four this year, and then Virginia, three and six. Actually, I believe that's three and seven this year. 
and Wake Forest. You forget how bad the ACC really is. That's, I believe, two wins over teams with winning records, at least. So it appears post the Notre Dame loss. And again, I mean, it's a close three-point win over Miami, three-point win over Duke, three-point win over over Virginia, two-point win over Wake Forest. But hey, a win's a win, a win. And Gene Chizik is on a winning team right now. Mac Brown's got the North Carolina Tar Heels at nine and one. And then going on across the rest of the schedule, Baylor. All the Dave Aranda hype has kind of died down. They got some wins over Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma, but bad losses to West Virginia. Now a really bad 28-point loss to Kansas State. And again, that bad loss earlier in the year to a BYU team that is just not as good as a lot of people thought they would be. And again, ladies and gentlemen, just what a weekend it was. And again, Alabama beats Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin just cannot get it done. Uh, Honestly, the game might as well be on him as much as anybody else. Early in the game, on I believe the opening drive, Ole Miss got the ball. Let me look at the game tracker right here. They got the ball all the way to the Alabama 12-yard line. And a horrible running play up the middle got no gain on fourth down, turning the ball over. If Ole Miss takes the points there, it's 30-27 to on Ole Miss's final drive. And they can take the points again, kicking that field goal instead of going for it on fourth down. I don't understand why Lane Kiven's philosophy against a team like Alabama is not to take the points. Always take the points when you get them against Alabama. It does not matter because they are a well-coached defensive team that will figure it out at some point. And I believe, you look at it right now, and we're going to go to commercial right after this, there are one, two, uh, three... Three three and outs later in that game because, again, the Alabama defense figured it out, ladies and gentlemen. Much to not my surprise, but, again, Ole Miss does not take the points, and it costs them. And that pretty much sums up, in my opinion, the Alabama versus Lane Kiffin rivalry has been a lot of bad fourth down plays and just giving the ball back to a dangerous offense. And with that... We're going to take this brief commercial break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Back here live in the Bradley Baysden WEGL studio. I'm tired. I'm cold. I'm sleepy. My voice hurts. But this is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com, as I'm sure most of you might be listening through the internet superhighway, as Jack Hart once called it. What to talk about next? Oh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Auburn volleyball is 20. One and five. Remove the tagline of Auburn volleyball head coach Brent Crouch is building something special. He is no longer building something special. He has built it, ladies and gentlemen. He has built something special on the plains. 
And if you haven't been paying attention now, you better start because this team is going to be special for years to come. We've talked about it on the broadcast before. I'll talk about it right now. Not a senior on this team. And it's unlikely, in my opinion, that this team is going to lose. Sorry, I just hit the microphone on my computer. My bad. It's unlikely, in my opinion, that this team is going to lose anybody to transferring, graduate transfers, whatever. They're 21-5. and They're 8-1 at home. Their one loss at home is that loss to Florida. And you could certainly point to it, ladies and gentlemen, they have not played some great teams. And I know some people will bring that up. Like, you know, hey, they lost to Florida and they lost Kentucky. Look, it's going to be a while before this team can truthfully go toe-to-toe with a team like Kentucky or Florida. Kentucky or Florida are it. They are it in the SEC. Let's take it. Let's take you back a year, right, or two years ago. Let's put it in football terms, right, as everybody likes to always say. You know, I don't get this. Explain it to me in football terms. Two years ago, this Auburn volleyball team is Vanderbilt. Derek Mason's fired. Vanderbilt's 2-10. and 10. And Kentucky and Florida are Alabama and Georgia. Okay? Let, let's, let's just clarify that so everybody can understand just how difficult it is for anybody to beat that team. And again, either way, they're 10-5 and five in the SEC. They're right there in the mix with Georgia and Tennessee for third place in the conference. They're 21-5, and five, ladies and gentlemen. They haven't won that many games since 2010. Period. And what a program it is, and what an exciting brand of volleyball that they play. That's what I keep saying to everybody that'll listen. It's not just that they win. They play such an exciting style. Kendall Kemp is already the single-season leader in blocks on this team. In one season, in the history of the program, single-season leader in blocks. In her first year, Lord knows what she'll do when she's got an entire season under her belt. I only pray for the rest of the SEC conference in that, in that sense. And again, you've got, they've got a long break ahead of them. They got 12 days from a win against Ole Miss this past Friday until they got to play South Carolina and Columbia. That's 12 days for Coach Crotch to prepare his team to try and get them to 24 wins, which would, I believe, tie the all-time program record for wins as far as I could find in the data on the team website. Mind you, this data skips an eight-year period from 2005 to 1997. I'm going to have to reach out to the SID and get more concrete information on that. But what a program and what a team, truthfully, that has been built there by head coach Brent Crouch. We're certainly going to try and get him on Compact Discourse in the future to talk to him about it because it's important that I think people around Auburn understand it. Auburn claims to be an everything school, and fans certainly act like it with gymnastics, basketball, even football this past weekend, women's basketball in part. But understand what's happening in volleyball. Understand that it's they're setting attendance records. They're getting top four. You know, I think the game that we did against Florida was the fourth highest attendance in, in the history of Neville Arena for Auburn volleyball. So there's that going on. And again, he's not building something. He has built it. It is built. Whatever's left is the continuing 
of that success from what he has built at that program. Just got two big early signing commitments. So many great freshmen all over the floor. Great leaders like Chelsea Harmon who step up to the plate as a junior transfer for this team. And has also been really good on the stat sheet. It's a great mix of players and of talent. And a lot of young talent that is going to be a lot better, in my opinion, next year. I think this is a team that is going to be really, really good next year. Not just this year. They already are pretty good this year, 21-5. and But next year, it should be a very exciting brand of volleyball on Auburn's campus. I wish I could stick around for it. Obviously, I'll be graduating in May. Though my mom says I should stick around in campus for another year. I don't know if my dad's checkbook agrees with that one. And I can't say that I don't blame him for that. But yeah, that's Auburn Volleyball. They have they beat, they are on a three-game or three-match win streak, all three-in-one victories over Texas A&M twice, and then Ole Miss in Oxford. And those are big wins. They really are. Every win is a big win in the SEC, and Coach Crouch will tell you that, especially on the road. It is hard to win on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Just look at it right now, looking at that schedule. Actually, looking at that, those standings. Auburn is the third-best road team in the SEC right now. Obviously, Florida and Kentucky are top at 7-2 and 6-1. and one. Then Auburn's right there with them at 7-4. and four. That's also 11 road games, which I believe is the most in the SEC along with South Carolina. And South Carolina is a good team at home. They're 10-3 and three at home, but 2-9 on the road. It is hard to win on the road in any sport in the SEC, especially volleyball, as you're seeing right here. But Auburn Volleyball is doing it, not to mention that 8-1 and record at Neville Arena. They have been good at home. A lot to do with that crowd that that team loves to have behind them. I've talked to them. I know it. So that's Auburn Volleyball for you. And you know what? Let's talk about it one last time because before we go to break, people were talking about it last night. The coaching search is heating up. Justin Hokinson of On3 Sports reported that John Cohen is zeroing in on his number one candidate and looking for a commitment from that candidate this week, trying to use the momentum of a victory, of that insane home crowd, of the NIL, of all the recruits that were on Auburn's campus over the weekend to say, look, look at what Auburn is doing with an interim. Look at what Auburn is doing in a lame duck season, in a season that was lost. And imagine what Auburn can do with a 9-3 and record. Seriously. And I know everyone's going to say, well, that's what Gus did. No, the... People pull the Gus Malzahn era out of context every single coaching cycle. They do. They always do. And they always sit there and tell you, Auburn fired a guy that beat Alabama three times. Who would want Who would want to work there if you can beat Alabama three times and get fired? Okay, so let's just talk about it for two seconds before we talk about who we think Auburn is going to hire. So obviously you've got the miracle season 2013, a win over Alabama, a big win over Alabama. Auburn goes 12-2, and they lose in the last championship, but hey, what a turnaround from the 3-9 season. But what does Auburn follow that with? An 8-5 and year the next year with a collapse at the end of the year. That's three straight losses against A&M, Georgia, and Alabama to end the year, and then a bowl game loss to Wisconsin. Then they follow that up with a preseason ranking, I believe in the top six, I believe they were number six, and they end up going seven and six. 
the offense takes 38 steps backwards and never really recovers at, to the to the 2013 standard at any point. Then they follow up that with a better performance in 2016. Auburn goes eight and five. They get to the Sugar Bowl, a big step, but again, a collapse against Georgia, a 13 to seven loss against a bad Georgia team that a team a team Auburn should not have lost to. So then 2017, yes, you beat Georgia, you beat Alabama back-to-back, thumbs up, except people forget how awful they looked against Clemson in week one that year. That's a good Clemson team, though, so it's okay. It's okay. But then that bad loss to LSU, I believe it was, Auburn was up 20-3, to and then just kept running the ball on first and second down and punting the ball back to LSU, eventually losing that game. Who knows how that affects how Auburn falls down the stretch. And again, Malzahn famously runs on Johnson into the ground. I'm no expert in that. I'm not in charge of that, but that is what happened. Everybody in the stadium saw the injured on Johnson and still, oh, Davis Carroll in a suit? With an Auburn tie on? What is this? What is going on? I think he's about to stop into the studio. Who knows? I'm getting waves at people. Davis is wearing a suit. I've never seen this before, ladies and gentlemen. Never seen this before at all. Davis Carroll is on the air. Alex, I hope you're having fun. I got moot court to get ready for. I got to work on my oral arguments. Sounds fun. I'm, I'm trying my best. dressed up with some collar, a collar on a tie. I didn't even know you tie. that tie. What do you think? I love it. You look like you look like you belong in the Plainsman. And All I right. I mean the actual Plainsman people. I gotta go. Okay, fair enough. Goodbye, Davis. Good and good luck with Moot Court. Sounds fun. Maybe we'll have Davis on the show one time. He failed to close the door. Oh, no, just kidding. He closed the door. It's all good. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the jolt I needed to get through these next 30 minutes because I'm not going to lie. If you ever hosted a radio show by yourself, it's quite tiring work. My voice is struggling. But we're still here. And as I was saying, before we're going to go to commercial break, we'll talk about this more after the break as well. That 2017 season, but yes, you get the win. And you followed up 2018, big preseason ranking, and you go 8-5. and five. You lose to Tennessee at home, among other bad losses. The bad loss to LSU that year. The bad loss to Georgia and Alabama that year. Just not a good year. A bad loss to Mississippi State that year. Just not a good year for Auburn. They were preseason ranking number nine, got as high as seven, and then fell apart down the stretch. So you got that game. You got that season. Then 2019, yes, the win over Alabama, but the loss to Georgia. And the win over an Alabama team who was missing its quarterback. Let's forget. Let's not forget that Tua Tugavailoa was injured for the Iron Bowl that year, and it might have cost Alabama the victory. Who knows? And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to take another short PSA break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Here live in the Bradley Basin WEGL studio. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 
91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Continuing our Auburn football coaching search discussion. The whole point that I was trying to make there is that people rip those good years out of context and forget the fact that they were followed up with complete duds. You know, is 8-5 and five bad for Auburn historically? No, it's not. It, it isn't, right? It, like, it just isn't. Auburn fans will tell you otherwise, or Auburn fans will say, oh, Auburn's good enough for this. Look, it just isn't. It isn't historically bad, okay? But going 8-5 and five with a loss to a Tennessee team that had not beaten an SEC opponent and went 5-7 and seven that year, that, that is unacceptable. Going 8-5 with bad losses to Mississippi State and Tennessee, that is unacceptable. All right? Going 8-5 and five in 2014 with that loss to with that loss to A&M, a Texas A&M team that was not very good, ladies and gentlemen. They were 8-5 and five that year, too. They were 3-5 and five in the SEC. That's a bad loss at home. At home, then a 34-7 loss to Georgia. That loss to Alabama where the red zone woes were the reason they lost in 2014. Again, 8-5 and five without any of the context, without any of the understanding is is certainly bad, but or is certainly not is certainly okay, but add the context and things tend to fall apart. So who's Auburn gonna get? Well, a lot of the rumors said Lane Kiven yesterday. Now it's rumors upon rumors upon people on Auburn Twitter. So there's not to say that it any has any actual backing to it. But this would not be the first time Auburn got a coach from Old Miss. Tommy Tuberville famously came to Auburn after saying they would have to carry him out in a pine box. No, we had to carry him out in a private jet with a lot of money. No pine box needed for Tommy Tuberville. And Lane Kiffin has not said such things. Not, not even gone to such lengths and mentioning a pine box. So I got to take a drink of water. So... There's that. And Ole Miss historically is a stepping stone program for some. Or for others, Ole Miss gets impatient with its coaches, as seen with David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe was at Ole Miss. Now he went 8-4, and 7-5, and 7-4, 7-6, 10-3, and then had one losing season, though it was a bad one, 4-7 and seven in 2004, and that was enough to fire him despite going 4-1 and one in bowl games. So you got impatience there compounded with, again, that was a bad year, bad loss to Memphis, to Alabama. It was a very tough SEC, a bad loss to Wyoming. Now that, that's when you certainly can't forget about there. But again, so with Lane Kiffin, I mean, it's as good a hire as Auburn can get in this coaching search, truthfully. I do not think Auburn should get Hugh Freeze. For a variety of reasons, character and otherwise, I don't think he's as good a coach as anybody thinks he is. Liberty just lost to UConn, so if beating Arkansas shows how great Hugh Freeze is, then what does losing to UConn show, ladies and gentlemen? That's a question to ponder, doesn't it? And again, with <clears throat> Lane Kiffin, I think it's as good an option as Auburn is going to get in a coaching search. Truthfully. I think, I think it is. And I think... I think a lot of people, oh, we got Britt Bowen tying Davis's tie right now, so i got to keep having the updates as they come. I don't know if Britt's going to join the show. Who knows? Maybe he might. But as I was saying with Lane Kiffin, I think it's as good a hire as you're going to get. 
I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that Kiffin certainly has his flaws as a head coach, but considering where Auburn is, where Auburn was, that gets you to that nine and three, I think, threshold most of the years. And that's where Auburn needs to be. Nine and three with a shot to take down Alabama, to take down Georgia. I think Lane Kiffin gives that team that opportunity more so than most head coaches out there. So with that, that pretty much sums up most of the coaching search. Again, there's not really a whole lot to discuss there just because of the fact that, again, I think that we won't know anything till it's announced, really. I'm not going to pretend to have an inside source in the program or elsewhere, nor am I going to pretend... Nor am I going to pretend to know exactly what John Cohen and that staff are thinking over there at the athletic complex or the new football complex, which I saw on Friday. But Auburn has a chance to make a big splash hire and to make a good hire. But I think primarily for Auburn's PR sake and also just sheer coaching's sake, whoever they hire has to keep Cadillac Williams. Auburn has a great group of recruiters there tied into the program and tied into the community. Zach Etheridge among them. And I think that that is certainly something to consider if you're Auburn or if you're whoever you're hiring. Because again, how do you how do you send Cadillac Williams packing after what he's done in two weeks? Truthfully, without keeping him on the roster in some capacity or another. And now I just received a text that we need to talk about the NFL, and that's fair. That's true. I've been, I've been going a while. I mean, I'll admit I'll admit that. So why don't we go ahead and pivot over to the NFL? We've talked about Auburn football for enough. Let's talk about the NFL starting with the NFL scoreboard. All right, so in week 10, Seattle cannot defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs get back to 500, 21-16. Some late-game heroics from Captain Kirk Cousins, the Minnesota Vikings, Defeated the Buffalo Bills in overtime 33-30. I'm sure you all saw that Justin Jefferson catch. The Detroit Lions are up to 3-6 after a hard-fart win 31-30 over the Chicago Bears. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-17. The Miami Dolphins dominated the Cleveland Browns 39-17. And the Dolphins are 7-3 to a tug of Iloa with 285 yards and three touchdowns. That team is clicking on all cylinders right now. The New York Giants are 7-2 after a big win over the Houston Texans, 24-16. The Pittsburgh Steelers are struggling, but they get a win over the New Orleans Saints, 20-10. The Tennessee Titans defeated the Denver Broncos in a tough game, 17-10. A lot closer than I think a lot of people expected. 
Jeff Saturday gets a win. The Indianapolis Colts defeat the Las Vegas Raiders 25-20. And Aaron Rodgers heroics over the Cowboys again. The Packers defeated Dallas 31-28 in overtime after a bad Mike McCarthy call to go for it on fourth down does not succeed. And the Arizona Cardinals get to 4-6 and and beat the 3-6 LA Rams 27-17. The San Francisco 49ers are 5-4 after a 22-16 win over the LA Charger in the battle in the Bay Area in the West Coast. And tonight, actually last Thursday first, the Carolina Panthers defeated the Atlanta Falcons 25-15. Nobody knows what's with the Panthers. Inconsistency everywhere. And Baker Mayfield might have a concussion. And tonight, the Washington Commanders take on the last undefeated team, the 8-0 Philadelphia Eagles, in prime time on Monday Night Football. And that is your NFL scoreboard. Certainly a wild week in the NFL everywhere. A lot of expected wins, some upsets, and some real bottom feeder teams that I almost keep forgetting about. You forget that the Rams and Cardinals are 4-6 and six and 3-6. and six. It's hard to believe currently that looking at the NFC West, the leaders, the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith and not the Rams – or not even the 49ers. Though the 49ers are above the Rams. And who can forget about the Cardinals who are 4-6. and six, Cliff Kingsbury not doing a great job of beating those bad coaching allegations so far. Because this team has been struggling. Though again, the Rams had to use a combination of John Walford at quarterback. The former Wake Forest quarterback. And then also a throw from Bryce Perkins that went for minus 3 yards. Though however... The Rams attempted 37 passes with their backup quarterbacks and only had 20 running plays. Maybe they should have found a way to run the football considering their lack of a, court, a consistent quarterback. And yes, Jacob, we'll talk about the Dolphins for two seconds right now. They beat the Browns badly, 39-17. to I remember actually talking to someone back when the Dolphins were 3-3 three and three, saying, actually it was during compact discourse on the concourse, we were looking for hot takes and somebody comes up to the table and says Miami would have been better off without Mike McDaniel if they just kept Brian Flores and this was a Miami team that was struggling with injuries I think they were on like their fourth quarterback or some something crazy yeah Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson third quarterback then and this was after a bad loss to the Jets and then tough losses to the Bengals and the Vikings after a 3-0 start but then the, once Tua came back, they completely turned it around. Four straight wins. However, let's talk about the fact that it's four straight wins against four bad teams, right? The Browns are bad. The Lions and Bears are both bad. And the Steelers are not very good either. So there you go. Yeah, the Dolphins are 7-3. and three. Yes, they are certainly competing in what is right now one of the best divisions in all the NFL, if not the best division in the NFL right now, outside of what was the NFC East and what still might be the NFC East. I mean, you got the 7-3 and three Dolphins, 6-3 and three Patriots, 6-3 and three Jets, 
and five and or five and four Patriots and six and three Bills. If the playoffs started today, all four AFC East teams would be making the playoffs. Meanwhile, the NFC East, the Commanders are one game out, but a win tonight, however unlikely, would get them closer to the hunt. So you've got that. And again, ladies and gentlemen. The Dolphins are 7-3, and and that is your NFL scoreboard. We're going to be right back after this short PSA break. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe it'll be food. Maybe it'll be something else. We'll talk about the weather as well. It's a cold one outside. We'll talk about it all here on Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. We'll be back after this. Back here live inside the Bradley Bays of WEGL studio. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Now it's time for some on-campus news and whatever else I can figure out to talk about in this final segment of the show before we have the shout-out coming on just after us. And by us, I mean myself here at Compact Discourse. But by the way, guys, it's important to talk about something that's going on. That's right, the cold weather. So it's time for your War Eagle weather. Love that soundbite. Love it. Currently 43 degrees and sunny. Today is going to be a high of 58 and a low of 32. Partly cloudy conditions expected from noon to around 3 p.m. With the mostly cloudy conditions expected at 3 p.m. A wind currently at... 12 miles per hour moving from northeast to southwest, and it feels like 37 outside. Ouch. And then the sun is currently going to set at 441 p.m. Visibility pretty good, though. Humidity only 63%. Hey, that's good for Alabama. Thumbs up for that one. But again, 43 degrees currently, a high of 58. It's going to be a chilly one. And then going up throughout the rest of the week, rain expected tomorrow with a high of 57. And the highest temperatures will get from now to next Wednesday is 58 degrees. It's going to be a cold few days. Temperatures hitting as low as 28 degrees. Bundle up out there. Get your beanies, gloves, maybe some hand warmers because we know there's going to be a shortage of those come February when basketball season really picks up. But yeah, cold days are ahead. I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. It's fun. Hey, hey, look at this. I'm going to say it. You can, you can wear more clothes to defend against the cold. When it's hot, you're just going to sweat regardless. Like, you can't keep peeling off layers, but you can keep putting on layers. It's common sense, right? I know that may be a hot take, according to some people, but it seems to make some sense to me. And that is your... War Eagle Weather. War Eagle Weather update here at Compact Discourse. Now, guys, I'm going to take my final four minutes on the soapbox and talk about the food. I know some of you listening, maybe a, maybe a couple of you listening, 
have some dining dollars left over. Then again, maybe you spent them all. Who knows? However, let's go through the menu at the biggest dining hall on campus, and in my opinion, the best dining hall on campus because there's only two of them, three of them, technically, but the wellness kitchen, you know, athletes only for whatever reason. So at the edge, at Traditions, you got some herb-baked chicken, some savory rice pilaf, garlic roasted vegetables. I don't really know about that one. Roasted green beans and roasted garlic bread. That's at the Traditions table. Then at the grill, you got some shoestring french fries along with a mushroom and Swiss burger. Again, that's two menu items with mushrooms. I don't really know about that one, but I'm not in charge of the menu. I just go there and eat most of the food. Then at the Urban Kitchen, you got the cheese quesadilla and then the chicken and cheese quesadilla. Simple but effective. Love a good quesadilla. Who doesn't? Who doesn't, right? And then at True Balance, we love True Balance. Always tastes so good. You got Montreal chicken tenders. Those are grilled chicken tenders, seasoned with black and red peppers, garlic and salt, and then seasoned white rice, zucchini and yellow squash saute, and creamy vegan coleslaw. I don't know about this one today, ladies and gentlemen. Then at Streetworks, you got the taco meat, which always looks like a block, some vegetarian refried beans, love refried beans, and some queso. Hey, we love queso. And then some pesto cavatappi with vegetables, corkscrew pasta, bell peppers, and zucchini tossed with pesto and crushed red pepper. Oh, my goodness. That sounds pretty good. I kind of like that. And then at the pizza station, barbecue chicken pizza and then your classic cheese and pepperoni pizzas as well. But the desserts, isn't that what we come for? Isn't it? Sometimes it seems like it. Sometimes it feels like it. You got the cream cheese marble brownie. I've had those. Oh, my. Then you got a yellow cupcake. I don't. The description doesn't give us a lot there. Freshly baked yellow cupcake. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with that information. And then a chocolate chip cookie and a snickerdoodle cookie. We love snickerdoodle. I don't know. I know I sound ridiculous right now. <laughs> I must admit. I'm sure that I do. And, oh, wow. I know I do. But, hey, man. Look, I like food. I'm not ashamed to admit. Also, ooh, the Market Deli with a buffalo chicken wrap. That's a new one. I haven't had that before. The Market Deli is pretty fun. Also, at Streetworks, you're going to get some cilantro rice along with your beans and taco meat. Maybe yourself a little burrito bowl if you want. Who knows? But that's what's on the menu at the edge today. I'll be there at some point to eat some of it, I'm sure. It is inevitable. But anybody curious wanted to look online or think about it. There you go. There you got your menu if you're thinking of stopping by later today. And with that, guys, I think it's time that I head out of here. It's around 8.54, about to be 8.55. The shout-out's coming up next. But thank you all for those who are listening to Compact Discourse this morning on Monday. I'm glad to be back. Obviously, I won't be back next week because Thanksgiving break, but I'll be back the week after that to talk about exams and cope with that and probably talk about whoever Auburn hires between now and then. Who knows? But this has been Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Again, don't go anywhere. The shout-out is coming up next. And Compact Discourse sticks around Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with Logan, Adrian, and Rio all hosting. A lot of fun in store for everybody here at Weagle 91.1 FM. And, again, I'll see you guys next time.